Hello and welcome to the Performance Through Health for podcast with me, Martin McPhillamy. This is episode number 12. And today I've got something a little bit different for us guys. Um, this is a podcast now obviously all about high performance and about health and uh, nutrition, relationships, all that sort of stuff. But I've got Andrew Murphy with me today. And Andrew is a videographer and a YouTuber. And some of his content is absolutely quality. So I've got him round because I reckon there's a few guys that will be uh, tuning in that might be moving on to the online scene creating content and um i thought it'd be a big help for to chat to an expert so andrew welcome to the show that's it pleasure being here <laughs> it's pretty cool hey like a little bit of a setup in my uh in my house in the office got myself a, a sponsor in the background so these guys that can, are watching you got evolution athletic are the sponsor of the performance through health podcast which is pretty cool it's considering nice. i've only been doing it for about uh, 12 episodes now. 12 episodes, good man. It's very good. Yeah, I heard like with podcasts and stuff like that, they pretty much just die like after about four or five episodes. It's yeah, very yeah. rare that people keep them going. It's generally most stuff. People go real hard, like too hard, too quick, and they burn out, and then they just yeah, can't sustain it. What, what I love about it is the fact that I can just get around you know, the likes of yourself who've got knowledge in an area that I have hardly any no idea on. Like, I can tell you the science of health and stuff like that, but I get to learn whilst getting to network, whilst getting to record some content. How fucking cool is that? Yeah, it's, it's good, man. I actually really want to start my own podcast, just excuses go up and I put on the back burner as usual. <laughs> but you've got a lot going on at the moment, haven't you? Oh, definitely. There is a lot going on in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll jump, jump dive straight into that. Though. So you've obviously been over in Perth. you born in Perth? Uh, no, so born in Geraldton. Yeah, okay. Uh, and then moved down to Boston, I think, when I was like two, maybe. Yeah. Because I was too young, so I don't really remember. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I was in Bustleton until I was 20, I believe, and then moved up to Perth uh, to study uni, and then, yeah, been in, in Perth ever since. Yeah, okay. So, you, did you study at UWA or? Uh, ECU in ECU. Yeah. And was, what, what, what were you studying? So, I did a double degree, a bachelor's degree in photography and videography. Cool. So, was that, was that where it started for you, this whole journey? Where did the journey into becoming a videographer and you know, a photographer start for you? So, it was, I was trying to think of this this morning in the shower. <laughs> the best place to think about things. I think it was about 14 years ago now. And, well, basically, preempt this. Um, throughout my whole life, my dad filmed everything. Like, we've got our whole life on film, which wow. is really cool. So I think that may have played a role in kind of seeing that growing up and then kind of being like, this is something that I would like to want to just try. Hmm. Um, so yeah, about 14 years ago, got my mum and dad's like little handy cam and just started taking photos and just filming stuff for the, the fun of it. I really enjoyed it. And then um, I got into um, a software called After Effects by Adobe. You might have heard of it. No, I haven't actually. No. There's, there's Premiere, which is like your editor. Yeah, okay. And then After Effects is like, the special effects software to add all the extras. Mm. Um, and I think one of the first things I did was try to make myself disappear or something like that. And then that's kind of where I fell in love with it because you can just, there's so much you can do with video. Yeah. Like, you, and I've, I've always said to people that I think video is my preferred method of communication. So recently I've obviously become better at like talking to people about like how I'm feeling and all this stuff. But mm -hmm. The, being able to communicate that through video is just the easiest form for me. Like I, I, I now I can sit down and obviously chat about my feelings and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. before it was just kind of like I just want to make something and show you, and then that you can see 
been doing or like just stuff that's been going on, it's a lot easier than me trying to remember and talk about stuff that's been happening in my life, which is interesting, but also makes sense as well. Well, it's, uh, I guess it comes from, it's, it's behind the camera, right? So it's like almost you've got a little bit of control on what you can edit and what you can, what you can say. You can look back over it, you can rehearse it. Whereas in a bit more in real life, it's like, well, it's all of a sudden we're live. It's yeah. like, I've got to talk about different things, but it's, it's really cool. The skills that you've learned, um, over those 14 years, like I look at your YouTube content, I look at your, your micro content that you put on social media, and fuck, that, that quality is absolutely amazing. And yesterday, we already had uh, Joe reach out to you, didn't we? So mm. we had, uh, uh, as soon as I put you up and saying that you were coming on, and one of the guys that was on a couple of, a couple of uh, podcasts ago jumped out and said, hey, hey, love your content. So that's a pretty cool uh, uh, start, really. Yeah, definitely. And, and it's good seeing that people who are like listening to like um, your podcast and stuff, for instance, are taking it on and being like, okay, what is the next progressive step I need to take to, you know, build my business or improve myself or whatever it is, but then basically using this tool, I guess you could call it, your podcast and being like, what can I extract from this and like make the most of it, I guess. Mm. Now, obviously, we just discussed a business, and we—I already know because we, uh, Andrew and I, go to a, a breakfast club called the Seven, a, Seven A.M. Breakfast Crew uh, every Thursday, which is pretty much just a, a, a group of guys and a couple of girls that just get together and talk business and hold each other accountable and um, extract each other's truth and kind of uh, challenge each other. Would you say? Yeah, it's a hard one. To, it's basically—it's interesting when I talk to people about the, the breakfast club because I'm just like because I've been doing. I think I've been in it for. 18 months, like yeah. two years, and I'm like, oh, I just got the breakfast club, and they're like, what's that? It's like, oh, we're just a bunch of guys, we just talk about our feelings, and they're like, what? <laughs> like, that is, like, what? That, is, that does not happen. But it's just, I'm just so used to it now. So yeah. Like, yeah, we just, every Thursday, we talk about, you know, what we're grateful for and how we're feeling, and from that, it's pretty easy to tell if someone's going through something or if it's something that, you know, you want to dive deeper into and help someone with. So. There's definitely been some great stories, and uh, now I think the the idea is to get like-minded people to to be able to speak uh, truth. And, and yeah, the, the guys that do the Simple Minds podcast, they're trying to allow uh, males to have uh, these you know, difficult sort of conversations. And I think having being a part of that group where you feel safe, certainly for me, there's been uh, there's some challenges for me when I've moved to Australia, and I've been able to bring those out and and, and not kind of be embarrassed about it. And actually, people listen and go, okay, well, well what are you gonna do it about it? And then direct you into a in, in, in a direction to, to to i guess improve it's, oh, yeah. it's personal development um so obviously i know your story i know what's going on with your life at the moment uh but i'm before we touch into that i'm actually gonna i want to rewind back into uh, arise digital okay so what is arise digital uh, i know that it might not be something that you can continue on foot further but where did that start and um uh, yeah just expand a bit on what that is cool so um Went to uni from, I think it was 2012 to 2015, I believe. Um, obviously did my degree and came out of it. And going into uni, I had this mindset that, you know, you go to uni, you get your bit of paper, you wave it to someone and they hire you and then you're successful and everything's like good. Yeah, I thought that was well. <laughs> yeah, so went through uni, got a bit of paper, um, left, and then was just kind of like, why am I suddenly rich and have all this work and like busy? And then was like, okay, this clearly isn't working. So I um I interned for a local photographer. So I did the photographer in the video. Yep. Um, interned for the local photographer, and I reckon the first month that I was just helping out, and I was only there maybe eight to ten hours a week. I wasn't there for very 
long. In the first month, I reckon I learnt more than my whole degree in the three years, which is, it's kind of, it, it depends how you look at it. Like some people enjoy uni. Mm. Um, for me, it wasn't the right form of learning. Like I learned more practically. Yeah. Um, but it's really interesting. So, um, yeah, the first year that I left uni was pretty much based on photography. Um, that was my weaker form or my weaker side to my film and photography. So I wanted to try build that up so then I could offer both in my business. Um, the filmmaking was just second nature to me, so I didn't really feel like I needed to practice that. Yeah. It was a bad mindset to have. Yeah, okay. But in, that's what I was thinking at the time. Might touch on that. Yeah, yeah so um, first year was just photography, and then in the second year, um, we we changed to Arise Digital. So originally it was just Andrew Murphy Photography. Yeah. Um, and then we changed to Arise Digital, and that's where I started to incorporate um, the filmmaking as well. And then just as a as a random side thing, we did stickers as well, like vinyl stickers for cars, because that was like a little side hustle that I was doing. And you know, when you first start in business, you just like, these all these different forms of income, you're just trying to make it work. Mm-hmm. So that was the three things we were offering. And then just slowly over um, the next year and a half, I just started doing more and more video and not enjoying the photography side as much. Um, and then obviously the vinyl stuff was just kind of like, it was taking away too much time for me to be able to do the filmmaking side of things. So then that dropped off. And then again, it was only probably in the last six to 12 months that the photography stuff started to die off, mainly because I have people around me that are way better at it than me. And I'd rather focus on the filmmaking side of things, which is where my strengths are. Um, and then, you know, work or partner with them to get, get the best quality work for my clients on the photography front. Yeah, sweet. That's, that's really cool. Um, so you touched in there about not having the right mindset or not having that mindset because, uh, or, or the approach that you're taking at that time wasn't the right, right, right approach. What, what approach or mindset would you say to, to take, for, say for an individual like myself or someone who's just trying to really just start getting online? Um, I found that when I first started, it was like, I didn't like the sound of my voice. Uh, like, I was like, I don't look right. I'm no good at this. What do you, would you say the mindset it takes to actually get this and get some good um, uh, attraction behind it? All right, so what I tell everyone is that your first 100 videos, we're allowed to swear on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> your first yeah. 100 videos are going to be shit. Like, yeah. Hands down, doesn't matter who you are, they're going to be terrible. And once you understand that, you kind of, you don't quickly bang through them, but you know that there is going to be just so much learning in those first 100 videos. And then after that, it's like, they're still probably going to be shit, less shit. Um, but that is used as like the learning to understand how to make, you know, better content. So and it, for some people, it might, be, it might be, you know, 10 videos, they might quickly learn, they might have a previous um, set of skills that will help. Um, for some people, they might make like a thousand videos and, and just not really learn as quick as other people. And then it just might be slower for them. I guess for that, anything in life, the, the learning curve is different for everyone. Yeah. But um, understanding that, yeah, the first ones you make of anything is just going to be terrible. But as long as um, you reflect on, um, so I see you make a video, put it out, don't hold it back, put it out there. Because um, obviously a confidence builder for yourself. Yeah. Um, and then reflect on it and go, what can I change or what can I do differently next time? But also don't overcomplicate it. So if you're like, oh, um, the sound was bad and the lighting was bad and, you know, the location was bad and you have, like, this list of things that you want to fix, just choose one and just go, okay, the next video I'm going to, say, improve the audio quality. 
so maybe get a mic or maybe change the location you're in or something. And then the next video goes out and you're like, okay, it's slightly better. It's not perfect, but it's slightly better. And then the next video you're like, okay, now I'm gonna focus on the lighting. But because you've already practiced that first one of the audio, that should be a little bit easier for you to do. Like you're already thinking about that. Yeah. It's like, okay, so I know I need to film, I know I've got the audio, so now I'm gonna focus on lighting. And yeah, I'd say lighting is probably, that's one of the hardest things to learn, just to get your head around. And that for some people, you know, it took me probably a year of making content to be able to understand how to use lighting properly. Yeah. So we would delve a bit into that then, because obviously yeah. as soon as you walked into this room, you're like, all right, look, let's make a suggestion to just turn it around. And I knew that I needed to really have the, the light behind me or coming through, but it's just how the how we work this room, me and my, my housemate, how we use this room together, it just didn't really work that way. Um, in terms of lighting, what sort of uh, basic tips would you say to, to, you know, to start with? So lighting's a real funny one, but you have to think of it as in... It, it, like you want to make it as flattering as possible. Um, so in photography, there's something called beauty lighting, which is basically what they use on models to make them look as flattering as possible to accentuate the right parts of the body and hide <laughs> other bits. Okay. And basically what that is, is it's directly in front and 45 degrees up. So it's basically kind of like a, a nice, soft, um, angled light. Is that why you see everyone walking around with their phones like, like that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but, but if you think about it, like, and I'm sure everyone's been through the scenarios, if you're filming something on your phone, say at like midday at 12 o'clock, mm. and you're out in the harsh sunlight, you get like panda eyes, yeah. like and it just looks unflattering. It's my forehead. Everything just shines off <laughs> <up> my forehead. <laughs> uh, and then again, if you have ever shot, you know, during golden hour or um, sunset or sunrise, this the light is generally quite nice because okay. it's quite um, soft, it's quite warm, and it's quite um, low, so it's quite directional as well. But basically, the thing that changed lighting for me is um, think about that beauty light. But what I like to do is go um, so directly in front, forty five degrees, and then forty five so forty five degrees up, and then forty five degrees to either left or right. And what it does is it adds um, shape or depth. Okay. You see it next time you're like um, sorry. Next time you're um, like filming something, just just get whatever the lighting source is and just play around with it and just kind of like move and look what looks right. And, and you'll be able to tell, like you'll be able to go, okay, this looks better than that. Okay. If, it's, if it's literally directly in front of you, it's just super flat and it's not flattering. Yeah. Um, but again, it's just, it's just practice. And, and yeah. But yeah, that 45 degrees up and either 45 degrees to the left or right is generally what I use the majority of the time to make it look like pretty decent. Yeah, that's that's. Um, I guess it's because it's more of an art than it is anything anything else. It's you know you've everything you've talked about already. It's just like it's about getting that experience. You have to you have to take the action. You have to do it to just to practice. And it's just you learn as you go along. So that's probably the reason why university wasn't as good as your, your first role, right? Yeah. So, um, that's awesome. Thanks for you know, for giving that little bit of information because I can work around with this, with my camera, with the lights in, in this room, which is ideally what I want to be doing over the next year. You've got a good, a good room as well because you've got the diffusion on the window, which makes it quite soft. Yeah. So you can see like on me right now, this, the light is real soft. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter what time of day, or maybe in the afternoon, it might hit a bit harder, but that diffusion on the window just softens everything down and makes yeah. it 
way nicer. I can see you, how excited you get about that. And that's just triggered a thought into my mind or a question that I want to ask is, is out of all the work that you've done and all the videography and stuff like that, where would you say the most exciting videos that you've produced would be? That is a hard one. <laughs> in general, the City of Perth videos are always fun, um, mainly because they just trust me so much that it's just like, here's a brief, this is where you need to be at this time, and there's no like, we want you to film like this. It's just they enjoy the style that I create, and they just give me full creative freedom. Awesome. And then basically, I just rock up and I'm like, okay, kind of assess what's going on, and then try to just make up a shot list in my head as I'm shooting it. Um, but it's just it's just fun because there's there's no expectation to perform a certain way. It's just you go have fun, create what you would want to create, and then essentially that is always happy with, it, which is really cool. Yeah, sweet. What about all the uh, the little trips you've done to Bali, Indo, all those sort of places? It, it, it's actually funnily, I probably haven't enjoyed that as much as doing say like City of Perth something. Yeah, only because. When I don't have a structure, I really struggle to be creative. Yeah, okay. So when I say so when I go on a trip, if I don't plan, I'm not like say so I'm like okay, I'm just gonna film and make a video afterwards. Without having that structure, I I can't think creative. I'm not like I'm gonna get this shot and it's gonna work in with this. Um, having that structure or even just a mild script or an idea mm. of what it, it's gonna end up like. Is enough to get me thinking. Yeah. But obviously now, like I know you're filming this podcast, so there's an end result. So if I'm like, hey, if we move this slightly, we can get a better result. Yeah. Okay. Whereas if I'm just like aimlessly walking around, just filming random stuff, it's, it doesn't really inspire me as yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, interesting that you talk about end result. You'll be doing the William White Whitecast. Uh, what is it uh, the training so soon and that's all about end result i want to touch a little bit on the structure so what's the sort of process that you would go through to um, create some structure around what you wanted to you know, create so for client work um we generally have a brief it's actually really interesting so my personal stuff i'd say is more structured than my client stuff only because i'm the ones in front of the camera and i need that structure to be able to like make it flow um, over the last 12 months, I have spent a lot of time trying a few different things. So I've tried no script, I've tried teleprompting, and I've tried like a script and basically going, I'd say paragraph by paragraph. Mm. Um, the going without a script is just, there's just too much in my mind and I can't um, consolidate it enough to make it flow. And you've seen some of my earlier videos where I haven't used a script and I've just kind of gone, gone off cuff there's the flow isn't there so it'll be like kind of like talking about something and then it suddenly cuts to something else and it, it draw, draws you away from what's actually happening um and then i moved into using a teleprompter so i had a full script and just read it as it was and there was definitely way more flow but you can tell that i'm talking at the camp well it's, it's almost like it's, it's kind of like if i'm looking at you but i'm looking at the wall it's like you're looking you can tell that someone's not looking at you, they're looking through you. Yeah. And it's like, it's the weirdest thing because you're still looking like directly at someone. But when you're reading off a teleprompter, it's just, it's kind of like dead eyes or like... You're in a, something, a bit of a trance really, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's just like, something not right. Yeah. Um, and I really struggled to perform and like be myself when it was just super scripted. Um, so recently, probably within the last... Probably the start of this year, actually, I basically was like, I want to 
I want to still have that script because that gives me the structure to be able to mm-hmm. make the videos and keep them like in flow. Um, but I'm going to try basically break it up into sizable chunks that I can easily remember. Yeah, okay. And then basically just just film it in chunks. And what what I found is that the flow is still there. I'm I can still be myself. I can still add in little bits that I would like. So it's not just like exactly scripted. Um, and it just gives me like a chance to you know change location or be creative with it but still the audience can uh, keep track of what's going on so if you've seen some of my recent videos um, the I try to change up the environment so like if I'm in you say we're shooting a video in your house yeah you might walk in and be like hey guys what's going on we're gonna do this podcast yeah and then as long as I've got a script I know what I'm gonna say but every paragraph will be in a slightly different scenario so it might be like, hey guys, I'm with Martin and I'm going to yeah. you know, um, be doing a podcast. And then immediately the next sentence would be like, um, Martin's blah, blah, blah. But I can know what I'm going to say, but say be in the, the studio, like here with you. Yeah. So it's, it's basically just like having a conversation, but having a different environment or an environment change keeps it interesting for the viewer, like yeah. visually. Yeah. Um, but it still is easy to, to follow along. So is that so? It's obviously that's the whole uh, the whole the engagement of the video, so people stay on for longer. Because that's the way most of these things work, right? The longer they're on your video, the more traction you're likely to get continuously. Um, what other sort of uh, you know, hints and tips would you give to someone creating a video to try and keep the in- in- audience engaged? So the two things that um, sadly I've only learned recently um, is basically in all videos it has to provide value and it has to be entertaining. So. Generally, I've either done one or the other, so I've tried to provide value, but it hasn't been as entertaining, or it's been too entertaining and hasn't provided enough value. Yeah. But basically, the golden egg is if you can provide value and do it in an entertaining way, that's like where you can hook the most amount of people. So I guess, for example, like if you're talking about, I don't know these rebreather things. <laughs> what are they? What are they? These are the power briefs. Yeah, so these are the um, you know the devices I was talking about a while back at the Seven A Breakfast Crew. Yeah. So the ones that I was brought over. Um, yeah, so I've got a, a, a few over now, and just uh, people who have breathing issues or wanting to improve their exercise performance, we do some uh, kind of a respiratory muscle training essentially. Yeah. So essentially, like you know all the value that you want to provide with this product, and you could easily just sit down here and talk about mm. it. But it'd be way more entertaining to say you're talking about it, and then as you're about to discuss, I don't know, the certain things, or like, say like someone running, yeah. like just suddenly swap to Hyde Park and have someone running with it, yeah, and you're like running okay. beside yeah, them, yeah, talking yeah. about what's going on. So it's like, yeah. oh, well, hang on, what's going on? Yeah. And it's kind of like, it adds that bit of humor in, but it's also providing the value as well. Yeah. And I guess if, if you can be entertaining while providing value, it just, people are more likely to take on that information. And then, like, mm. you, would, you would experience Everyone would have experienced it. Like, you have that real bland person that's just like, blah, 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 yeah. blah, and it's just boring. You just, like, you, you don't take it on. And then you see the people that are super entertaining. And it doesn't matter what they're talking about. You're just so engaged. Yeah. Like, you, I've been on YouTube and you're just like, you're watching the most random stuff, <laughs> but it's just so entertaining. It's like, I don't know how I got here, but you're still loving the content they're producing. I guess it's the, it's the energy you 
that people are bringing, right? So what I've noticed with your uh, recent content probably over the last six months is is the amount of energy that you're now bringing. And I think when I actually first uh, started looking into podcasting uh, with uh, you know, Matt Hannum and all that, what's, what's, I forgot Matt's company going. Visible. Yeah, Visible. He created that uh, how to podcast uh, guide and that was great. But the energy you actually brought in that you and is it Steph? Yeah. Yeah, you two together were, were, were great. And it was like really, yeah, it was really entertaining to watch, but you delivered the value. So you, you got that spot on because I was like, oh, sweet. I, can, I feel like I'm learning here, but I'm also having a, a good time just watching these guys just prat around. Yeah. Um, good to rewind back a little bit because you mentioned a, you know, a couple of things where you were saying you have mishaps and you have these uh, you know, problems or you, 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 if you don't have the script, sometimes it doesn't go quite right. You've actually managed to turn that into something now, though, haven't you? So recently you've been doing like blooper videos as well? Yeah. <laughs> Where did that idea come from? So that was, originally it was just, I just thought it was funny. But now um, I'm actually changing the structure of my videos slightly and I'm going to add, the, if there is bloopers, there's not as many now because I am getting better at it. <laughs> but if there are bloopers, I'm going to basically finish my video with a few bloopers to finish it off. Because I, I think the problem is that with making content is that we compare ourselves to people that are way ahead mm. of us. So like myself, someone I could compare, I, I very rarely compare myself to other people I try not to, but some people I compare myself to people know would probably like Casey Neistat or something. Yeah. Who's been doing it for literally like, I don't know, like 30 years or something. He's like the OG like YouTuber. Yeah. And you can easily compare yourself to someone like that, but I can guarantee you even the best of the best still stuff up, mm. but we only see what they want us to see and I want to kind of like pull that curtain down and kind of go you know what what you see like I could if you watch my videos the flow is so nice like and if you meet me in person I'm stuttering <laughs> and I'm like, like jumping on my words and stuff but it's more so that if I put that in my video it, obviously it's authentic but I want to make my videos as concise and easy to follow as possible mm. but I also want to Show people that like you know it's 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 okay to to take you know some of the some of the paragraphs that do take me like twenty takes to get it right. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. But people to say that they just see that you know oh you just record a video that's just perfect straight out the gate, which is actually interesting you brought up because I'm I'm about to do a video on um, that basically it's okay to to stuff up and not compare yourself to all these people, and basically I'm just gonna prephrase the video and basically be like this video is probably going to be longer because I'm not going to cut anything out. Mm. I'm going to show you every single take I do. It's, I, don't, I don't want it to be this perfectly flowing video. So if I stuff up, it's going to be like the stuff up. It's going to do yeah. video again yeah. until I get it to show you that you know it, it's not always easy and it doesn't always go the way you want it to go. Thanks, man. There's four things I took away from that. So number one is delivering value. Number two is keep it entertaining. Number three is clarity of message. Number four, be authentic. Definitely. So do you think if you've got all four of those things in a video, you've pretty much nailed it? Definitely. So guys, everyone out there, you've practiced those four things. That's some awesome tips there. Thanks, Andy. That's right. Um, so let's go move on. Life. Yep. Forward. Vision. So what's going on next then? What's, there? what's, what's the next steps? What's happened to you over the next couple of weeks? So uh, end of March, I am um, finished up with my business. Um, handing over the clients to a mate, um, and then we are, or I am moving over to the Gold Coast. My fiance is already over there at the moment. Yeah. And then I am actually going to pursue YouTube full time. So, um, been building up over the last, uh, on and off for the last 18 months.
month or so. Um, but just want to give it a crack and just try to see what it would be like if I could you know, give all my energy to it. Um, I keep saying to other people, like when you start a business as like a side hustle, you want to put in all the effort you can, but obviously like, you might have a, a day job that you have to use to support that. And it, it can never be as good as it can be if it's only a side hustle. Mm-hmm. And it's not until you take that leap and do, like divert all your energy into it that it can fully flourish and, and be as good as it can. And that's truly what I believe with this is like, I have all this stuff that I want to, all these messages that I want to give to people and having it as a side hobby isn't, it's not allowing me to, to give as much as I can. So by going full time, it basically forces me to, to take it more seriously and uh, allows me to, to give the time that I think it needs to, to you know, grow as, as big as it needs to be. Yeah. And obviously we've discussed a little bit about breakfast and we, we there's a few challenges this week that were brought up and to go away and reflect and stuff. The one thing that I wanted to talk about is that I'm a sort of person who maybe maybe a little bit in the past has been a bit of an obliger. Like I, I almost like I have to have someone to hold me accountable to, to get that work done. Um, more recently, I've found that I've just been enjoying what I do. So I, I, like doing this, for example, it's just easy and fun to do and you're also learning but also creating at the same time. Do you think having that, uh, I guess, um, going into your passion and doing that fully is going to hold you accountable? Do you reckon you're going to have to put some accountability in there? Um, at first, I'm going to try without, just to see. Um, I think running off the energy of doing it full-time will sustain me for the, for the beginning. Um, the way I look at it, but, is that obviously if you run a business, you have a handful of clients, whatever. Mm. With a YouTube channel, essentially every single one of your subscribers is a potential client. So, you know, at the moment I've got a a thousand and seventy subscribers or something, but you have to think of it like every single one of those people is expecting you to deliver. Like if I say I'm gonna upload on a Monday at seven o'clock or six PM now, if I don't deliver on that then I'm letting those people down. It's it's the same as if you have a client and they're paying you to make content for and you don't you just suddenly don't deliver, it's like What's going on? Like, where's the content that we've been paying you for? And like, they're not paying you in money, but they're paying you in attention. So they're giving up their time and the their their energy to watch you and and want to support you. And if you're just kind of like pulling the piss and being like, oh, and that's fine, I'll just yeah. you know, oh, I missed the deadline, I'll just upload the journal or whatever. Like, you just yeah. I guess uh, if you, you know, hundred and a thousand and seventy, did you say subscribers? So that's people who are actually wanting to see your videos. That's yeah. not just views. Yeah. How how many sort of views do you do you get on there at the moment? It varies a lot. Yeah. So some videos get fifty. Some videos get fifteen thousand. Like yeah. Okay. It, it, it is very varied at the moment. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to understand the type of content that people are wanting to watch. Yeah. And the people. Uh, like searching and stuff and that is all part of it you have to understand that obviously YouTube is a, a search engine and yeah. you, you need to make content that people are going to gonna search for so um, now what I've been doing is making a list of, of topics that people are actually searching for and then from there going okay if people are searching for this how can I give the value that I want in the way that this is structured so then they search for it and then get the value that they're looking for 
Yeah, okay. And where, where do you find those search things? Is that from the analytics, that, from the videos that you're currently doing, or do you look around, search around? So I use a tool called TubeBuddy. Okay. There's also another one called VidIQ. It's a similar one. I don't use that. I use um, TubeBuddy. Um, we can probably put a link under um, in the description of this to be honest with you. There is a free version, and you basically install it on, it's like a plugin um, in Chrome for YouTube. And then basically when you look at videos, it gives you um, a whole bunch of information. So it tells you like how many views it's got, how many subscribers the channel's got, um, like where it's ranked for certain keywords and stuff. And then for your videos as well, you can basically um, get it to analyze the keywords that you've put in, where it um, is potentially ranking for other people. So how to make a video um, be seen by a lot of people in search is basically find a topic that people are currently searching for that has a high search volume. Okay. Um, there's not too much competition in it and there's um, room for optimization. So by optimization we're saying that people that are currently posting in that topic aren't using the right keywords or aren't optimizing enough to be found in search. Um, and there's, there's a whole host of other things that you need to look for as well. But essentially, if, if you know that say, just go super generic, if you know that people are like how to bake a carrot cake, for yeah. instance, and you know that there's 25,000 people searching that every, there's probably more than 25,000 <laughs> people searching that a month, but you know that there's a large, there's a large volume of people searching that, then if you make a video like, you know, how to make a carrot cake in 10 minutes, for instance, then in the description, you kind of talk yeah. about how to make a carrot cake and, and you use all these different keywords and then the tags, you tag it with how to make a carrot cake, you know, um, carrot cake recipe, carrot cake in 10 minutes, and you use all those different phrases that you think people will be searching for. Yeah. And basically, the more the, the more phrases that you can rank for, the higher or the, the more views that you can potentially get. Because if someone types in how to make a cake and you rank high, then people are just going to, you know, um, click on the generally, like, it's like with Google. Yeah. You gen people generally don't go past the first yeah. page. Other yeah, it's the higher ones. Yeah. yeah. And same with YouTube, like, generally people don't scroll down that much if they don't find what they're looking for, they just mm. search for something else. So the more phrases, the more keywords that you can rank for, the higher chance of you getting more views, essentially. Is there a limit on YouTube for, like, like tags and stuff? Yeah, so you can use 500 letters um, yeah. in the tags, um, and depending on how long the tags are and stuff, yeah. it depend on how many you can use. But the thing to remember is to not use, you want long tail keywords, which is basically like, instead of going carrot cake or carrot or cake or something, like the chances of you ranking for cake is yeah. literally like impossible. Yeah, okay. But the chance of you, you rank for how to bake a carrot cake in 10 minutes are slightly high because it's a very specific thing. Yeah. So say like for you, for instance, like what's, what's a video that you have made or are potentially going to make? Um, yeah, I could potentially talk about the steps to creating a, a fat loss plan or something like that. And I guess if you just put uh, fat loss in there, it's probably not going to come up, but how to create a fat loss plan in, in half an hour yeah. or how to work out your calories in, in 10 minutes. Yeah. I guess that's going to make a bit of a difference. And just, and just thinking about the things that people are searching for as well. And the good thing about YouTube is that, and this is a part of the actual YouTube as well, is that if you are searching for a video and you say you do how to um, you know, lose weight, and then you put a space after it, what happens is you get a suggestion, oh, and it'll okay. pop down, and that'll give you longer key or longer tail keywords that people are actually searching for. So you might type in you know, how to lose weight space, and it might come out with how to lose weight in 30 days, or how to lose weight you know, without 
fasting or whatever yeah, it comes yeah. up with. And yeah. that, that basically literally shows you what people are searching for. And uh, you okay. make a list yeah. of the videos that you can potentially make yeah. that people are searching for and you can potentially rank for. That's a great way to, to look at it to see what people are doing. So it's like when you Google, like literally like Google, you put in how to and it comes up with a list of yes. yeah. really b- bizarre things sometimes. You're like, really? People are Googling this? But, okay, so I'm going to check that on YouTube. So if you actually go onto YouTube and type that sort of stuff in it, then give us a big list and that's ranking in the order of of the most people that have searched that. Yeah, so, so you have to remember as well, um, YouTube is owned by Google. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And YouTube is the, the second biggest search engine on the is it really? Really? Yeah. Never knew that. Yeah. Fact of the day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> YouTube is the second biggest search engine on the internet. There you go. Yeah. Um, so what's uh, obviously you've got your channel. You've been doing it, developing that over the last eighteen months or whatever uh, year year or so. What's the what's the goal of that? Is that just documenting life, or, or what's the value that you're trying to to, to give? So actually, really, actually, you've asked that because yesterday I um, met up with Dave Clare. Yeah. Profit for purpose. Yeah. Um, and we discussed. I basically just mess, I reached out to him and I was like, "We need to catch up." I know that I want to obviously do YouTube full time. I know that I want to help people, but I'm not a hundred percent clear on what, like what or why I'm doing this. Okay. Um, and we actually sat down for a couple of hours and went through a whole bunch of stuff and broke it down and, and went quite deep with it. And we came up with the message of. Um, inspiring confidence to just be yourself or just be you. Yeah, cool. I can see that. And, and where that came from is uh, basically Dave asked me who my avatar is or who my you know target audience is or the person that I'm trying to um, target with my content. And I thought about all my mates that I hang out with, like all my um, content creators stuff, and I was like, it just didn't feel right to just be targeting them. It was like, they are the people that I want to target, but... I feel like there's something, there's someone more suited to the content that I'm making. And I just kept thinking about it more. And then I was kind of like, originally I started my YouTube channel, I think it was like 10 years ago or something. Wow. Yeah, so this is fun fact. Yeah. Um, and I started posting content, but super embarrassed, never told anyone about it, did it in our attic. As soon as mum and dad was coming home, quickly stopped, packed up, like, was just, so it's like it had no self-confidence yeah okay wanted to hide away from it but i also wanted to just try to do it because i had lots of fun doing it and i thought about it and i was like realistically my the person i'm trying to target is me when i first started my youtube channel mm. like, there's so many people out there that you know they want to make content and they want to you know have an impact in the world and they want to do all this stuff and there's so many excuses that come up so you know, a lot of people use equipment as a, as an excuse. Like, I don't have an expensive camera. I mm-hmm. can't do this stuff. Like, um, they don't have the skills. So it's like, oh, I don't know how to do it. And then the biggest one is just what it all comes down to is just self confidence. So, um, even if you have expensive gear, even if you know how to do it, if you lack the confidence, you just won't do it. And that's that's the problem that I had. So I knew how to make content, but I had no self confidence to back myself and be able to do it. Yeah. So basically, that came up and I was like, okay, realistically, my avatar is myself when I first started making my channel. And then Dave was kind of like, if you are talking to yourself, what would you what would you want to hear sort of thing? And, mm-hmm. I was, and I, we kind of thought about it. And I think it took like an hour or something. We were kind of like talking about stuff. And then it just came up with, I would just want to tell myself to you know, just be yourself. Like, mm-hmm. understand that, you know, the... 
I'm, I've been trying to follow intuition a lot lately. Yeah. Um, also, it's, it's you, you can't quite understand it, but you have these gut feelings and you want to follow them and generally it kind of steers you in the right direction. You don't, I don't really understand how or why, but generally if you follow it, you find yourself on the right path. And obviously when I was young, I had this intuition to do more YouTube stuff and I was having fun with it, but the self-confidence was just so much greater and it just basically ripped me down and, and wouldn't let me do that. So the message to myself is basically, um, you know, be you, don't worry about what other people think, you know, um, the content that I'm going to provide is going to, you know, hopefully give you the confidence to do this, mm. but then it's also going to give you the skills and help you get the right equipment and stuff. So it's like, I guess like the whole nine yards, like I don't just want to inspire you to follow what you want to do and follow your dreams, but I also want to teach you the technical side of stuff as well. Yeah, that's a real great message because there's so many young people out there who, um, especially you know, this 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 era we're in, we're, in, we're getting some 10 year old or something who's like a millionaire from YouTube and just like, crazy, you've got crazy things that go out there just from people making content in their home but then you might have some uh, you know, some guy or girl 10, 15, 12 18, 20, 30 years old who's got this whole message in their mind but they're just lacking that confidence to, to just go out and do it so to, to be able to inspire people to do that and and deliver that message is awesome yeah really yeah. Yeah. And even for me i'm sat here thinking uh you know with my website and stuff like that i want to have like a, a members group and i'm like i can't really see myself being the the person who's the the person who's in the video talking and discussing that sort of stuff because i guess there's probably still a little bit of the confidence thing there because it's, it's the unknown it's something i've never done before um so i can just you know, i can appreciate you for just even doing that because it will support someone like myself as well. Um, how, how would you reflect on... So what would you say the, the, the biggest thing in terms of the confidence boosts that you've had? So ironically, it is that been doing more YouTube stuff and making more content. Yeah. So um, just... It, it, it's literally just being in front of the camera. So vlogging in public, if you haven't ever done that, oh, that yeah. is the biggest confidence booster. Yeah. And I, I, I've been doing it for 18 months now and I still struggle every mm. time I pick up the camera and try to do it in public. Like it is, I don't know why, like there's just so much fear of what other people mm. think. Massively. Even though like if I see someone doing something weird, I'm like, oh, it's kind of weird. But like you, if you don't, you still sleep at night. Like people don't, like, they're not like, oh, dude, this is a weirdo and... Perth is going to struggle to like sleep tonight. It's just like, they see it, they're like, oh, it's a bit weird and they move on with their life. But there's, we just feel that there's so much judgment mm. that we're like, we're standing out and that people are just going to like, yeah, they're like, I see you on the and be like, oh, I saw you yesterday. <laughs> people don't care about that stuff. Not at all. I think um, I had this experience even just yesterday, walking down the street. I had something to say on, uh, into my phone, into my Instagram in the morning. It was a story I wanted to share, but I was doing it as I was walking from my car to work, and it's about a 10-minute walk. And there was someone behind me, about 50 meters behind me, and I was like, do I record it? Because I, like, I feel like they're catching up with me. Like, I'm, and I just completely just lost it. I was like, I don't know like, I don't know what to say now because I don't know well, this person's going to be listening. He's gonna be think, they're going to be thinking weird, but... Really, like you've just said earlier on, is that we only, our attention is only caught by those things that we value. So if that person doesn't really value what you're doing, which most people walking down the street just watching some guy talking to his phone or talking onto his camera, they're not really going to value that because it doesn't give them any additional 
I guess, what value or... So within the moment of five minutes, they'll probably forget who you are. Quicker than that. Yeah, quicker than that. Ten seconds, yeah, like, ten like, seconds. They'll pull their phone out and go, "Oh, I got a text message." Oh, oh, okay. And all of a sudden, but you're in your mind thinking, "Oh, God, this person's going to remember me. They're going to see me in five years' time. They're going to tell this story about how rubbish I was." And you create this whole thing in your own mind where all of a sudden you've just talked yourself out of something. Yeah, definitely. How, I, I, th- I think that, and I think this will help with you and anyone mm-hmm. listening, is especially with Instagram stories. I've been doing that a lot now, and and still real weird. So. Me doing Instagram stories and me vlogging on a camera, I'm I'm more, I feel like I'm more confident on Instagram stories yep. than I am on my camera, which makes no sense because it's the same thing. But I think it's just because I I do that way more, so just, again, it's just practice, like mm-hmm. you, you get used to it. But the way that I like to look at it, and the, the big um, switch for me was, if you uh, say your partner's gone away and you're you're missing them. Are you are you projecting? But say if, if you're if you're wanting to talk to your partner and you're FaceTiming, if you're walking around in public FaceTiming, you do not care at all. Like you're just having a conversation, you don't think about anything. Mm-hmm. So why is it any different when you're because technically you are you're speaking to you speaking mm-hmm. to your audience. So I like to look at it. I'm like, I treat when I do Instagram stories as a FaceTime call. So and, and it still comes up. So I'm like, I'll be walking, people walk past, and I'm like. Ugh. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a part of it, but it's definitely helped a lot because as soon as you think that there is someone on the other end and you treat it like someone on the other end, just the way you come across and just, I don't know, just the clarity as well, like it helps me clear my mind and and be more concise with my message. Um, but it is a massive confidence booster because again, like if you are FaceTiming someone, you're not like well, um, yeah, like being all awkward about it. It's just like you just. Because you don't want to be rude to that person. Mm. You just invest in the conversation. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting to see in, uh, you know, even in five years' time, whether that changes. Because I think probably, you know, my age and particularly maybe more my age, but your age as well, it's, it's I, d- I didn't grow up in my teens doing that sort of stuff. And I guess early 20s didn't do, do that sort of stuff. So it's not natural or comfortable. But you know, people who are 15, 16 now, they're talking into their phone. That, that's what they do. So it's going to be quite crazy in 10 years' time. People are just going to be walking around and not even probably paying attention to anyone around because they'll just it's be all interested in their phone. It's going to be pretty crazy. And a couple of things I want to touch on. So I think just to summarize there, I think the first step you've probably said to taking, uh, to improving confidence and stuff like that is just doing and taking action and just doing it, not just as hard as it is to try and take away and uh, avoid you know, what's going on around you. Uh, there's a lot of self-talk in there that you have to kind of bypass. Um, have you found that with yourself? Yeah. Like, it probably takes me a good 15 to 20 minutes of, you know, talking to my camera in public before I'm yeah, okay. myself. Like, I'm getting a lot better at it now. Yeah. But if you just suddenly dump me in the city and you're like, hey, okay, you're going to film with me, it's like, there's all that talking. Coming. And then by, by the time I finish, let's say like an hour, hour and a half later, mm. I'm just buzzing and I'm just like, I don't care at all. I yeah. just like, want to keep going. But it does take time to get into it. So it's a bit of a warm up, really. Yeah, definitely. Were you, was that what you were doing? Obviously, you walked around here with your camera. Is that, was that something you always do just because you're, you know, you're documenting your life? But is that sort of that part of thing as well? It's like you know, you, you're curating on the way here to come into the podcast. You're warming up for a podcast, so you get your camera out and start going already. Uh, that was more just um, because of the big move that I'm going to be doing. Yeah, okay. I'm yeah. just trying to capture as much as I can. Yeah. Um, it would just be interesting to, to yeah. document the process and look in like a year's time. Like, yeah, definitely. This is the kind of stuff I was doing. 
Yeah. Um, I have no intention to post this in a certain video because I don't know how it's going to fit on the channel just yet. Yeah, of course. But it's just, it's, again, it's just content. And it's just practice as well. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, I really struggled to, um, to say, like, vlog to someone's house and then film them when they're opening the door. Yeah. Or if there's someone that I'm not, quite, like, really friends with film because you have, you have no idea where they're going to be like, oh, like, don't yeah, film yeah, this yeah, sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. But the thing is with digital, it's like, if they're like, oh, I don't film it, it's like, oh, okay, I'll delete it. Just apologise and yeah, do, yeah. Do, just don't use it, yeah. Exactly. But there's just so much fear around like, oh, I don't want to upset them and I don't want to do this. And even like client work, if I'm at an event, yeah. there's just some people like, I'm like, oh, I would really like to, you know, film this family mm-hmm. having fun at this event. And there's all that, that yeah. inner talk and it's like, oh, but you don't want to like interrupt them. They're trying to have fun. They don't want to be a part of this. And generally, most of the time, I'd be like, hey, like, can I just, mm. like, do you mind being in the video? And they're just like, yeah, that's yeah. fine. Like, I don't care. Again, and it's not gonna make like stop them from sleeping at night. It's just like yeah, it just it is what it is. How, how much is there? Does consent come into this sort of stuff? Is there is there particular rules or laws around this sort of stuff? You, you know, can you just walk down the because I know there's there's laws with drones and things like that. you can't have them flying over the housing areas for it, for example. But with with normal videography, walking down a street, is there anything you have to be concerned about? So in a public space, as long as the person is over eighteen years of age, okay. Then you can essentially do it if you want. Obviously, if someone's like throwing stuff at you and carrying on any photo or the <laughs> film sort of thing. Yeah. But um, it's more so when they're um, underage that they need parental yeah, consent. Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, but generally what we found is that it's only if it's like a real close-up. So if like, if you're, say if you're holidaying down at the park or something and you want to just capture a few shots like showing people what's going on, if you're just shooting a wide, like it's, it's not a big deal. If mm-hmm. you're like, literally filming a, like a one kid like doing something in the park but okay, this is a bit weird you probably should ask for this um, but generally yeah in, in a public space if they're over 18 years bad, there's, there's there's no problem cool um, but again it, it just comes down to like if you were there as well and someone was taking photos of you like would you want them to be like hey do you mind if I just mm. no I'm just practicing so I can I just get a couple of snaps courtesy like, yeah, yeah. Really courtesy cool no, thanks for that I never really thought about it until we come up in this conversation um, so we were going to touch on a few things the, you were uh, equipment um, how to do it and self-confidence so we went for the self-confidence I think that's the first place you really have to start yeah. um, in terms of equipment now I think a lot of people stumble over uh, the fact that they've got a buy expensive equipment it's something that I have probably gone out and probably didn't really need to do uh, part of my ego is a bit like I'm going to go and get some nice mics it's going to look nice uh, but really do we need to be doing it doing that definitely not to start off with because the problem is with needing all this expensive equipment is that it's an investment and then if you if you eventually or if you don't do it then you mm. just make yourself feel even worse than mm. before you bought it so and again it comes down to the value and the entertainment content like at the end of the day people ah, this is so hard for me to say because i have all that quality but people don't care about quality yeah okay like if, if you think about to back in, in the day like if, if you've got any memories of you as a kid on your videos mm. like it is literally like swimming a potato like it yeah. is the worst quality <laughs> but it's, it's the value that it's the emotion that you have in that yeah cool like you might not even be able to make out faces but you remember it and it brings up memories and you're like oh this is like the best day of my life sort of thing. It doesn't matter what the quality is like, but it, it's how, it, um, it, it, it's the feelings and the value that it brings up in you. Um, I would say the easiest way to start is to use your phone, mm-hmm. but to use Instagram stories. Okay. Basically, 
the, the problem is, is that if you use your phone, and again, you want to make it as easy as possible, right? So if you're just using your phone and you're filming, the next step is that you have to learn how to edit. With Instagram stories, you literally just film, as, so you hold it, mm. when you let go of it, that's done, that's a story. You can post it straight away. There's no post-editing, there's no, like, you can add a filter, add some text or something, but yeah. it's, you do it, you shoot it, you post it, the, you, and, it and it stops you from overthinking stuff as well. Just kind of like, oh, I'm, you know, I've just thought about something interesting that I think my viewers will like, so quickly record it. You know, if you don't like it, then redo it or whatever, but then just post it and then forget about it sort of thing. Whereas if you have all this expensive equipment, and even I've noticed this, like, to set up my full studio to make um, one of my videos will take, you know, half an hour to set up. As I'm setting it up, I'm just kind of like, oh, like, I could have actually just filmed the video by now and then I set it up. And, mm. and I, I value quality, like, that is one of my highest values. Yeah. Um, so I, I enjoy doing that. It does kind of annoy me sometimes, but I want to provide a high value to people as well. Um, but it, you just start thinking about stuff and then you're like, oh, what if the script's bad or you know, maybe the lighting's not right and there's just so much technical stuff that will stop you from just creating the content that you want to create. Cool. Any kind of equipment that you recommend for uh, someone just starting out with videography? So you've mentioned the phone, but uh, it would, would, what about cameras and all that? So if you want to step up, um, the, the camera that I recommend the most is um, Canon just released a new camera called the 90D. I think it retails for about 1500 Australian dollars, which is potentially more than people want to spend. Mm. But um, it has all the bells and whistles and enough to you know, add an external mic and you can monitor and... You can do photos and videos and you can do 4K and it's just, it is quite future-proof and the autofocus is really good as well, yeah. which is a, a big thing for me. Um, I mean, it, you can go lower end, but yeah, it's for me, it's a quality thing. Like I, 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 my, my main camera is like $12,000, so I can't really talk about this, but spend what you're, you're willing to spend that isn't going to compromise the creation of it. So, yeah, okay. you know, if... If you have to, if you're gonna to have to take out a loan to get a camera, and it's gonna it's gonna be in the back of your mind, yeah, like, yeah, uh, yeah. but you know, yeah. don't obviously don't do that. Buy what you can. The Canon 90D is amazing, um, and then the mic that I use is a Rode Video Mic Pro Plus. I think they're about four hundred dollars or so. If you want a cheaper version, there is the Rode Video Micro, mm -hmm. which I think is about a hundred hundred twenty Australian dollars, um, which is also good. There's less features, but it also works as well. Um, but again, it's just, again, those first 100 videos that you make are going to be terrible. And if you can bang yeah. them out on Instagram stories, yeah. like you can literally bang out a thousand videos, like in a month sort of thing on Instagram stories. Like it is so easy to make content. And within that month, you can go through all the ups and downs and you know, change your lighting and change your audio and do all that stuff in a very quick space of time without spending a lot of money. And then once you're like confident and you're like, okay, this is what I want to make, then you can start looking into investing into Awesome, awesome. I think it's definitely looking at it as an investment is a big thing. So for me, um, I just have just upgra upgraded my phone. So I went, for, I had the iPhone seven, and I was recording on that. And I was thinking the quality of my video content, especially that front camera, was just poor. It's so dark all the time. Um, but I couldn't justify going to get a new phone. So when I moved into this new place here, the uh, the company I was with couldn't supply the MBN that I was after. Well, they did, but then it just kept dropping out of connection. I was getting like five megabytes of speed. It's like just taking forever. In this room particularly, I just wasn't getting any signal. So I thought, um, what's the point of me paying you know, $79 a month for that? 
and $40 a month for my phone contract. Like, I may as well just upgrade to the new iPhone 11 Plus, 11 Pro. Amazing camera. I can use that for recording this sort of stuff like we're doing now and be, saying the, be paying the same amount of money as I would to have MBN and my phone contract already. So I was like, it's a no-brainer. But that was looking at it as an investment, as a business perspective. Right? So I'm, not, I'm probably paying $10 more a month to have an amazing camera, an amazing phone. And, and a camera that's probably worth mm. two, three, four. Like the, the quality of the cameras now is ridiculous. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so I think we've probably been chatting for about just nearly short of an hour now. Uh, on this podcast, there is a couple of questions that I do like to ask people. Uh, being performance through health, number one is going to be, um, what do you need to be doing to take your levels of performance to the next step? So recently I've been a bit slacky a bit, but... I generally notice that um, getting up, so I generally get up at five or just before mm-hmm. five, um, doing some sort of physical activity for the first half an hour to hour of the day definitely sets myself up. It just helps me clear my mind and, and um, it, obviously you can probably explain how this works, but for me, I didn't understand that if you get up and expend energy, like I was kind of like, you just have mm-hmm. a bucket and if you go to the gym, you expend energy and then you only have a certain amount of energy for the day. But I found since going to the gym, I have way more energy throughout the day, and I'm I have more focus and I'm more productive. Mm-hmm. Which again, to me, is just I, I, I make videos. I understand <laughs> stuff works. Well, I think um, it's the the exercise particularly. Number one, getting up in the mornings. Everyone knows the value in well, not everyone. You should know the value in having a morning routine. Routine sets you up for structure. Structure is what then goes on the massive scale for the rest of the day. But I think having that exercise utilizing that energy and releasing all those dopamine all that serotonin and that actually makes you feel better so it almost like you leave you're like but i'm glad i've done that so when you go into then doing your videos you're taking that energy and that happiness into that video and it's just almost like you're creating that momentum that motivation to continue going so that's probably the reason why yeah, yeah. um sorry i just have to explain that so no, that's, that's, that's it in the back good. of my head yeah. um cool so yeah so basically just making sure you ensure you have that morning routine get up and exercising so that's something you need to commit to straight away when you go over to the gold coast finding that straight away yeah, uh next question and this is probably a bit of a big question to ask you uh and it's going to be pretty cool asking it because you're just you're not in well you, you, you you're into health and fitness but it's not your forte what would you you be doing to try and improve the general health of the world if you could first thing i was root sugar (laughs) yeah okay yeah so i I, i've noticed recently because i've been looking more at um how i feel and what my body does when i eat certain foods Mm -hmm. and i noticed that even though like everyone eats chocolate when they're sad as like a comfort food chocolate for me is like a massive depressant and again you can probably explain why this works but I notice that if I am craving chocolate and I'm not having the best day, that is literally the worst thing I could do. So I, I think, I guess what I'm trying to get out of this is that people to look more at what they're eating and how they're feeling rather than just eating stuff and being like, oh, I'm bloated or I'm feeling like trash and it's just, it is what it is. Because that, that's what I did for most of my life until pretty much the end of last year, like when I was doing it for like a couple of months. Um, but just looking at it and being like, when I eat this food, how am I feeling? Is it making me feel good or bad? And then from that going like, this is not serving me, so let's make a change in like, what we're doing. Yeah, awesome. Has uh, the wedding have anything to do with that? No, nah, definitely not. Really not? Yeah, nah. I was stressing about the wedding. Yeah, that's cool. It, 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 it's more just like we, Ash and I, um, 
pretty much every time after we ate, uh, and, and obviously to explain a bit more, I've gone um, vegetarian. Um, you can vegetarian if you. Yeah, as of uh, end of last year, but yeah, okay. we would eat food. And then it'd be like, okay, let's go sit on the couch and chill out mm. for 20 minutes and be super lethargic and bloated and, you know, like, not hate ourselves, but... Mm. You know, feel just, shame. Yeah, yeah. Not, not yeah. feel like you don't want to do anything. You just yeah. want to chill out and wait for it to digest so then you can go on with your day. Yeah. And we are just like, this, like, it doesn't really make sense. And then going vegetarian, I've noticed that after I eat, I don't get that bloating feeling and I don't need that siesta yeah okay sort of thing and i just feel way they have more energy yeah that's awesome how you find it avoiding meat and uh i guess because i mean I, I don't really pay attention too much to what you eat at breakfast but usually there's uh, for me there's bacon there you have yet to remove that you miss it at all uh I, i've had a few times where i thought about it yeah the hardest thing at first was um i think it was like day three maybe of doing it i went out to breakfast with marco another guy from the breakfast club yeah and i went to say it's for lunch yeah and um and i made looked at the menu and i was like cool pulled pork good uh, pulled pork chicken salad. <laughs> and then marco's was vegetarian as well and he's like yeah. oh, i'm just gonna get the i'm like chickpea salad mm. i was like oh yeah hang on like, i'm vegetarian i'm not good for me so i yeah. just got it and i loved it hey, it was awesome yeah but i think that the hardest thing is when you go out um, which isn't as hard anymore because a lot of people cater for it, but just remembering that, like, why... Well, for me, it's why I'm doing it. Like, mm. I'm not eating it because I'm going to feel better and it's going to help me. Yeah. If you're just like, I don't want to eat meat because I don't want to eat meat, it's probably not going to stick. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is it more for, more for health reasons? It, it, it's, it's, just, it's just the feeling, like... Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I, I guess I just didn't perform as well on meat. Yeah. Um, it was just the feeling of like I was just always bloated. Like yeah. Every single second of the day, I've just always been bloated, and I've just we've been trying to find other ways of fixing it. Yeah. But yeah, pretty much cutting out me has has solved most of it as well. Awesome. I'm so glad that you that that came up in the conversation, being a bit of a, a health podcast. I'm, yeah. uh, you know, it's a bit of, bit of content at the end there, and the recommendation to anyone out there who is. Uh, um, I guess struggling with their diet and feeling feeling bloated or feeling a bit of shame, not not too much energy. Uh, maybe even going to a bit more of a plant based or a vegetarian diet is, is going to help. There's a lot of evidence out there to suggest that it is better than just a general normal diet. So um, it's been awesome. Re- really enjoyed the chat. Where can uh, people get up to get, find you on YouTube? Find you on social media. Where can people get in contact with you? Yeah, cool. So uh, all social media is at Andrew Murphy WA. Um, YouTube said as well. I'm I'm still trying to optimize it. When you type in Andrew Murphy, my channel doesn't yeah. come up for some reason. But if you go youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Andrew Murphy Delvey, it comes up. I am working, so I'm just getting it come up. Or if you go on my Instagram at Andrew Murphy Delvey, there is a link to um, check out all my content as well. Awesome. Well, good luck with the uh, all the future. I'm going to probably see you a few times before you leave, but exciting times. Thanks, man. It's been fun.